Have you got the steps to wrangle big data? Welcome, my mere mortal lads, to another round of the book reviews. My name is Kyron, host of the Mere Mortals podcast, but also this one where I dive deeper into the books that I'm reading to give you the juicy information you can extract to take some themes away, which perhaps you might not know of, and to also just learn more about data and algorithms. Indeed, we do have Algorithms for Dummies, written by John Paul Mueller and Luca Masseron. So this book was published in 2022 and it's about 400 pages in terms of the actual volume of what you can learn within. And it took me probably 20 to 30 hours to get through. Yes, indeed, I spent a long time on this. And it's basically because it's a textbook on the subject of algorithms, duh, dummy. So this is designed to teach and inform with a mix of explanations of real life applications of terminology and also of many examples that you can use with the python programming language hence why it took me so long to actually get through it is split up into six parts with 22 chapters in total and these parts are called getting started with algorithms understanding the need to sort and search exploring the world of graphs wrangling big data challenging difficult problems and the part of tens and all of these contain just multiple, multiple sections where you'll learn about matrices, about tail call recursion, about multiplication, about graphs, about data, about uh, testing Kruskal's algorithm of De Hickstra's Belfort, Floyd Warshall uh, of Monte Carlo methods. There is so much contained within. It is definitely <laughs> full of information. So who are the authors and what is the kind of story? Well, it's kind of hard to actually tell. One, I believe John Mueller is North American and Luca Masseron, I believe, is Italian. The, the first being a serial tech author and then the second being a data scientist. And I believe both have connections with Google. Much like the Coding for Beginners book written by Louis Stowell, it's kind of hard to actually tell much about the authors. Not, it's, there's not much known about them. And to be honest, their part in the actual book itself is, is very minimal. It is meant to be presented as a textbook, so you're not going to find witty observations, personal preferences and things like that. No, it is it is rather dry and you go through it at your your own leisure and there's not much for them to add apart from, you know, the actual information of writing the book out, which we won't take away from that. It's just not that type of book, which is uh, subjective. It's meant to be more objective. Let's get into the first theme and it is algorithms programming the world. Are you surprised that that is the first theme? <laughs> so what are they? What is an algorithm? Well, I'm going to jump over here onto page 11. So right at the start of the book to give you a, a rough definition of, of this. So uh, we find that there's actually many confusions with algorithms, particularly related to equations and formulas. So to start off, they are not uh, numbers and symbols that when taken as a whole equate to a specific value i.e f equals ma that sort of thing and they're also not formulas which are similar numbers and symbols used to express information or ideas much like you'll find with ODEs and many other things that you will find in in your standard math textbooks and things like that so what is an algorithm? It is a sequence of steps used to solve a problem. The sequence presents a unique method of addressing an issue by providing a particular solution. 
An algorithm need not represent mathematical or logical concepts, even though the presentations in this book often do fall into these. And then it goes into talk how about an algorithm needs to be finite, so it must eventually solve the problem. It must be well-defined, so it must have a series of steps that must be precise and present uh, and understandable. And then it must be effective. It must solve all cases of the problem for which someone defined it. So we get into some examples here where, for example, uh, humorously, how do you make toast? Well, you can have an algorithm for making toast. And this is something along the lines of, you know, buy bread, open the packet of bread, put the bread in the toaster, make sure toaster is connected to electricity, push down, have toast in, in toaster for X number of seconds, you know, release toast. Hence, now you have toast, that sort of idea. And I guess this is where we, we get into the next step of algorithms, which is really understanding a problem. This is what an algorithm is designed to do. They're designed to solve problems. And you really have to understand for yourself, what do you want? And this can actually be rather tricky. You could just say you want a solution. Okay, I want a solution, but do you want a solution? Do you want every solution? Do you want the optimal solution? Do you want the solution that is quickest to get to, the longest? Do you want negative answers, i.e. things that aren't solutions? Do you want a solution that balances trade-offs? There are so many different ways that you can go about applying these. And you have to remember that the algorithms that we're writing in this case uh, are written in computers and they have their own language, the ASCII language, the language of bits and bytes. And so your you know, concepts of what you think is, is being defined and whatnot, you can't you have to use the English language, I suppose, to, to write this down, or maybe if you've got a, a, lang a programming language written in Spanish or whatnot. But this is where you're really having to go, okay, what exactly do I want? How do I get to it? And there are so many different ways that you can go about solving the same thing. And so we get into different types of algorithms. Probably the easiest to understand is the brute force algorithm. This is where it will test every single path to get to the solution. So if you have multiple different variations of getting to this, i.e. if you want to make toast and you have different types of bread, it will tie, you know, test every single type if you want to find the optimal solution, for example. Um, if you have a greedy algorithm, this is where it is based on the next best, next best step. So in this case, imagine if you're trying to get to the top of a mountain, you take one step forward and then you're presented with a varying you know, option of, of incremental levels that you can go up. You don't want to go downwards, so you're going to present the next best, which will maybe be in this way. You can see how this will eventually hopefully lead you up to the top of a mountain. However, you can find you know, local peaks or local minimums where everything around you is flat and you don't know where to go. This is where you can have random algorithms. So they will choose, you know, from a set of different areas. Okay, we're just going to randomly try this way for a while and see if that takes us to new areas or new solutions that are interesting. You can have heuristics, which are sets of rules of thumb. So this is where you'll just have varying, like, you know, the next level of complexity of going, okay, we'll get to this and then we'll do this one. But if this sort of happens, you know, re refocus, rewind and do this sort of thing. This all sounds like kind of fun and fine, but it, God damn, it gets complex. And you can find that there's many different ways of solving uh, a problem, even if you know exactly what you want, you know, you want the optimal solution. 
you can find, okay, no, there's, there's many different ways of writing this in the actual code itself. And so if we look at something like five factorial, so this is, you know, what is one times two times three times four times five. If you want to write a, a, a program or a, you know, a function which has this ability to do this automatically, so you go, you know, what is the factorial of seven, one times two times five times four times six times seven, blah, blah, blah. There are many different ways that you can write this code out and you can do this based on uh, do you want it to be the speediest way? Do you want it to have the least lines of code? Do you want to have it so that it uses the least amount of memory? Uh, do you want to eliminate tail calls and recursion and all sorts of different things? So when you start to get into deeper and deeper in, into these algorithms, you go, okay, wow, the the options somewhat just explodes and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And this gets onto the next theme, which is data, chaotic information loops. So this is somewhat the modern starting point, I think. What you'll find is that these algorithms um, and an algorithm based on those definitions have been around for, for centuries before computers, before you know millennia. You can go back to algorithms of math and whatnot, which were done by hand. In the modern context, they're pretty useless without data. Data is these moving away, I guess, from the equations and the formulas that I was somewhat describing before into things that are more complex and give so many different variables happening at the same time, but we can still find better paths. And this is where it's easy to see how this will apply to you know, social interactions and in everyday life and logistics uh, of a you know a government or of a world of of things which are just so large that no one person is going to be able to comprehend these things or even groups of people. So how complex can this actually get though, Karen? You know what what's why is it so complex? Well, there's a relatively easy example which you'll see on your screen now, and it's through connections. So you can have five nodes of something, and so let's just say it's the numbers zero, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, you've, you've got five of something, but if I was to draw a line between each one of those, we can see that gets up to 10 connections. When you increase the amount of nodes, i.e. points of data, the connections between all of them grows and grows and grows and grows. Then we have the next step, which is adding information about that, that connection. And this is where we're getting into graphs and whatnot. So we can have a relatively simple problem, which was described in the book of the traveling salesman problem, TSP. And this is where you have a set of cities. So you can have all the cities in the world and there is a distance between each of these cities. What is the optimal solution for going to each one of these cities only once while minimizing the distance that you actually need to travel? And yeah, it seems like relatively simple. But with this amount of data of, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of cities, we go, okay, there is a lot of different possible paths that someone could do this, this uh, hypothetical journey. And this just increases and increases. And if you try to use the brute force method of going from, you know, starting at this one city and then trying every single different path, it very quickly gets up to, you know, there's more paths than there are atoms in the universe sort of deal. So, this is where we get into, I guess, this aspect of graphs and, and networks. And so I'm going to jump over to here onto page 141 and 142, which gives us some explanations of what actually a graph is. So 
Graphs are structures that present a number of nodes or vertexes connected by a number of edges or arcs depending on the representation. When you think about a graph, think about a, uh, a structure like a map where each location on the map is a node and the streets are the edges. So you can look uh, sort of like a tree or a family uh, chart, or a family hierarchy or an organizational chart in a comp company. All of these are sort of things which are, appear in real life and, and uh, actual data. This is where we get into a network. So a network is a kind of graph that associates names with the vertexes, nodes or points, edges, arcs or lines or both. And associating names with the graph features uh, reduces the level of extraction and makes understanding the graph easier. The data that the graph models becomes real in the mind of the person viewing it, even though the graph truly is an abstraction of the real world put into a form that both humans and computers can understand in different ways. So we have all of these, this data and it gets complex and we're starting to put it into graphs and feeding it into the computers. Well, what, what's a computer going to do with all of this complexity, all of this data? And this is where the algorithms somewhat come in and we go, okay, we can find ways of, of reducing this complexity to get useful information that will help us in our everyday lives. So how do you do this? Well, you can do it through sorting, through searching, through structuring, through arranging, through manipulating, through concealing data and even compression of data. And this is, we've got so many different methods. I've, I've listed out some of the algorithms right at the very start of how people use uh, clever methods that they've designed to you know, hide things, get rid of irrelevant data, to search through data to find the important points. Um, compression was one that really jumped out at me. And this was getting into, I suppose, the aspect of of bits and bytes and whatnot and, and where you can see how data can go through these ebbs and flows of gaining complexity and then you reduce the complexity. Then it gets complex again. And this is where we can get to these levels of having amazing cameras and computers and Wi-Fi and so much shit that I just do not understand. So if we have uh, bits and bytes is, is where, where it starts at, bits. So zeros and ones, off or on. And you go zero, one, 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 zero, blah, 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 blah. We can get you know numbers and definitions of, of letters through, for example, the ASCII, A-S-C-I-I, uh, American, some sort of uh, <laughs> index for for writing these out. And it's a seven bit, I believe, um, a series of numbers, perhaps eight bits where zero, 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 or zero, one, zero, 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 zero. They all correspond to different letters of the alphabet or um, symbols such as the um, exclamation mark or less than symbol or things like that. And what you can find is when you have series of data, you can go, okay, I can represent this A as 0, 0, 0, 1, blah, blah. I can represent B as this. I can represent C as this. And the cool thing is you can kind of reduce this complexity down again by going, all right, I've got a, a sequence. Let's just say A, B, A, B, C, A, B, C, A, B, C, something like that. And we can go, all right, if we go A as, you know, 0, 1, B as 1, 0, C as 0, 0, and then you know AB is 001 or something like that, we can just take this complex number that would have been you know eight characters, eight characters, eight characters, or eight zeros and ones, eight zeros and ones, eight zeros and ones, and then say, okay, zero, zero and one now actually equals this representation. And we can form, I guess like the best way I, I put this in my mind was imagining a, a, a 
graph or a table that has on the x-axis, I guess, density of information, and on the y-axis, the actual you know, number of characters or symbols. And it will start off as kind of a loop going up and you know, we're getting more, more dense, but the number of characters is lining, lining up, getting higher and higher. And then we can kind of take this step change down and go, all right, we're, we're changing up the, the rules that what representation of things mean. The data is still getting more denser, as in where we've got more uh, knowledge of, okay, this is zero and one at now actually equals A, which could be represented as you know, a whole series of zeros and ones. And so we can have this looping up where the number of characters of, of storage that we actually need is, is somewhat staying the same or, or only increasing you know, on a, in a linear type curve, I guess, or a graph or a, a straight line. And, but the actual density of the data is just getting further and further out. So there's all sorts of very cool things that you can do with data and, and compressing it and using algorithms to make things complex and then reduce them again and then following this wonderful magical world of, of algorithms and, and finding out information which you perhaps previously didn't know. So <laughs> it was getting kind of fun there. Uh, I'm going to jump into my observations and takeaways, which uh, I was starting to get excited about anyway. I think you find some fundamental learnings from from a book like this that are hard-earned. <laughs> I spent those 20 and 30 hours and there was a lot of things I just didn't understand, but I got to some core learnings such as what is the difference between a bit and a byte, uh, such as why randomization is actually really hard for a computer in the real world, we can kind of throw a dice or something and we'll get a lot of randomness just because we are not automations and machines. But when things ex- execute things perfectly, it actually is kind of hard to get random data or randomize things because it's going to execute it perfectly. Uh, there's a lot of kind of, I suppose, like these deeper fundamental learnings, which I, I actually got from this book, which was, which was really nice. So I thought that was, I wasn't expecting to get that um, from this. Uh, I would definitely say it's worth typing out versus copying the Python script that uh, is contained within here, which there is a fair lot of. The reason for this is I'm a relative beginner for for Python, uh, for coding in general. And what I found is that my touch typing, which was already okay, uh, increased much, much, much for symbols that I'd never needed to use, such as the round brackets, the square brackets, the kind of curly brackets, of numbers, of even the less than and um, and more than symbols, things like that. I got a lot better at using these sorts of ones. This also made me realize how important it would be if I was to do a lot of coding and a lot of typing of really getting the optimal keyboard set up because I spent a lot of time making mistakes and the mistakes that I would use uh, would do would be such as accidentally hitting the enter button when I wanted to use the, uh, I don't know, square brackets or the, um, you know, double quotation mark. And when it would go down and indent to the next line, I had no quick way of getting back up to the top. And so I would either have to control Z or, you know, backspace a whole bunch of times. And when you're in the, the flow, it just kills it. Uh, also, I would recommend not having the international keyboard layup uh, set up, which I do because I like to use the Enya and the umlauts and things like that because I'm learning Spanish and German and, and I'm typing out in that. Mm, it makes things a lot more difficult 
because, uh, for example, when, whenever I hit the quotation mark, I have to hit the space afterwards for whatever reason in the international keyboard. That's how it is. That doesn't make for good quick <laughs> typing of code. It slows things down a little bit. And I also think slowing down with this book is useful. If you try and rush through it, it you're going to miss a lot because I, I think there is something about this this hard-earned learning, which I'll, I'll um, touch upon in the summary section. The other thing is, I suppose, you'll encounter probably a fair few problems with this book. And it's kind of hard to know, is it me or them? And what I mean by this is I would write out sections of code and nothing would happen or it would function wrong and I'd be getting error messages. And I'm like, did I make spelling errors? Check it all through. No. Okay. Did I download Python or a wrong version of Python or it's, you know, linking to imports of, of installations of pips or things like this, which are in the wrong place? Or is the book wrong and it has written something down and you can have this kind of debate with yourself. Is it me or is it them? I would say a lot of the time it, it probably actually is the book because what I noticed were some spelling errors actually in the book. And then also how sections of Python have changed compared to what was written in the book. One example of this is the uh, underscore matrix, which you'll use for a lot of the um, you know importing or from if sort of statements uh, has now changed to underscore array. And so this is a change in the Python um, you know, code language, I suppose, that has happened since this book's been released. And you have to take that into account whilst writing and you'll get some pop-ups and things and you can maybe figure it out yourself. But there's a lot in here which if you just type this out, it won't work. Um, and you just need to kind of figure out why that is and it can be a mixture of you and a lot of the time it can be the book as well so i'm going to go into my summary and in essence it's a, it's a solid book but it seeps in slow um i didn't understand a lot a lot but going through it um and going through the motions somewhat like an algorithm i.e it might not know exactly what it's doing but it is gradually working its way to a, a higher goal or a better solution or a greedy next step, which is the next best step it can take. Uh, I think that actually produces results, much like an algorithm produces results. I was running the Chiron algorithm of, <laughs> of not understanding whilst doing this book, but I came to some conclusions and to some things that actually really helped me. So I think it's great for the broader fundamentals, but practical Python knowledge you're probably not going to gain a lot out of it or real coding improvement, I would say, is also limited. Uh, a lot of it harkened back to high school for me, uh, such as matrix multiplications, which were contained within here, of information that is mm, theoretically useful, but practically useful. I'm, I'm still never, I still have yet to use a matrix multiplication in uh, everyday life. And so a lot of the information in here is probably information you'll forget. But if you can get these broad, deeper fundamentals, I think it's worth going through. So all in all, I'm going to give Algorithms for Dummies by Paul Mueller and Luca Masseron a 7 out of 10, which is pretty damn good considering it is a rather dry textbook. So good on them for, for writing that. And that is it, my mere mortal lights. Thank you for joining me to this part of the audio. What are your thoughts on algorithms, on data, on dummies? Got my hand up right here for that last one. Uh, I would love to know all of these things. The best way of getting in contact is via sending in a Boostergram. So Boostergram is a message that you can send within the podcasting app that you're listening to if 
you are on a decent one, which throws things such as chapters, like I mentioned with the uh, coding example of the nodes and, and connections between them. And I also include links and all sorts of other goodies. The experience is much better, I personally believe, on some of these apps. And you can also show your appreciation for the podcast there. So you can stream in uh, sections or little amounts of Bitcoin uh, to me as you're listening. You can send a message directly within the app, which just makes so much more sense. I read out of all of those in the end of month book recap. And thank you personally for contributing to the podcast, which does take a lot of time, effort and energy and money, to be honest, to to produce. So your contributions back really do make a difference to my desire to keep this podcast going and also my ability to do that by you know having to pay the bills and all those sorts of things. So there are other, other ways you can contribute back value. You could share this with a friend. You could tell someone about how uh, this book is maybe useful for them if they want to get a better understanding of the fundamentals. And you can also suggest other book reviews back to me or you know, if you want to help contribute via doing something with transcripts or suggestions on how I can make better audio or video experiences, I would love to know all of those things as well. So um, yeah, I really do hope you're having a step-by-step progressively better day wherever you are in the world. Ciao for now. Kyron out.